Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, Tammy. Oh, hello, Ron. I didn't see you come in. I was just checking myself for scoliosis. And? Straight as an arrow. Just like somebody else I know. You guys may already know our guests today, Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman. I read a few interviews with Megan and Nick before we talked, and they're often described as something completely out of the ordinary. A Hollywood couple that's managed to stay together for about two decades. I'm not going to lie, I love these articles. They use language like they're describing aliens, or pandas mating in captivity in a suburban American zoo. And I get it. In Hollywood terms, a love story that lasts longer than the production of a single movie is considered a raging success. But Nick and Megan do have a secret, a reason they think they've stayed together so long. The key for us is that we really do like each other. And, you know, we I love being able to make Nick laugh. And I think that that's mutual. And even if he's just going to be gone for a couple hours, he's going out to the store, I, I'm like excited when he gets home, you know? And... <laughs> I mean, it's... That's because if I'm coming from the store, it means there's ice cream coming. <laughs> really, that's the bottom line, is we make our marriage a priority over our careers. Liking each other is one thing, but that's kind of amorphous. But in terms of, like, nuts and bolts things, that has been the single most important thing that we have done. Yeah, easy. And joining that sex club. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. The night I called Nick and Megan was the start of month two of quarantine. We talked on Zoom, and at one point, my entire family actually busted into the room to say hello to the two of them. It was embarrassing, but they were incredibly kind about it. It's weird. I felt very comfortable going into this conversation because that day I'd just binged a bunch of episodes of their podcast, Nick and Megan in Bed, which is literally recorded in their bed. So are you guys doing my podcast from your bed? No. In our minds, we are, but not 
in reality. Yeah, we 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 live. Uh, our lifestyle is in bed. Let's back up a little bit. How'd the two of you meet? Gosh, we gotta go all the way back to the Y two K. Yeah, it was the year was two thousand. Let's see. So we met doing a play together in Los Angeles. I was between the second and third seasons of Will and Grace, and Nick was living in someone's basement, unfinished basement with a dirt floor, and if he needed to pee, he would just hop up off of his futon and go in the corner, take care of business. Free and easy living. <laughs> and um, we both, uh, un- you know, we met during the play, but I decided to do the play just because I read it and I thought it seemed good and I was on my, you know, a hiatus between the second and third seasons and Nick decided to do it because he had moved to town not too long before and it wasn't, you know, it was also a good part. Nick had just moved to LA from Chicago. Back home he was a theater guy, but he figured he should try to give the Hollywood thing a shot. But I just had this idea of like, I have to keep going. I have to keep trying to, I don't know, climb higher. And and I moved to L.A. pretty ignorant to what L.A. was going to be like. I didn't really have a an ally or a friend who who I was consulting with. Like when I get there, what's, you know, how does it compare to Chicago? I, I had no idea that L.A. was not a theater town the way Chicago and New York are. So, you know, I, I was kind of blissfully ignorant and I paid the price. I spent a good couple of years butting my head against the reality, the harsh reality of how L.A., you know, with the success and, like, the business of Hollywood, how much more superficial that makes so many of your business dealings and relationships and transactions. In in Chicago theater, things were so much more merit-based. People would cast you in their play because they thought you were good in the other play they saw. But in L.A., you would get meetings where they wouldn't even have seen your play. And they would be wondering, what is your X factor? Or like, will people want to have sex with you? You know, how can I make money off of you? And I, so it it was a rough uh, entry, but, and that was actually, it ended with, I, I was really depressed. I was drinking too much. And I said, I just have to do a play. Like, that's what I do. I know this isn't a theater town. I I just have to do a play. And my friends helped me, and I ended up finding this play where I met Megan. And I literally, I mean, I thought I need to do a play to save my life. And I was right. And I did a play, and I did save my life. We met on the first day of rehearsal, and I was being sort of assiduously ignored by pretty much everyone else. Uh, And... Nick was the only person who came up and put his hand out. We shook hands, and he said, you know, that was that was really great. I, th- I think this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> the rest... Pretty smooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was she scary? Yeah, I mean, the... the I was um, wearing spikes. I, at the time, she actually was wearing... Uh, a spiked helmet. Impressive platform shoes. <laughs> but the thing was, I didn't have a television. 
I had heard of Will and Grace, but I hadn't seen it. I knew it was a big new hit. I think I think everybody else in the company, the reason that they sort of assiduously avoided Megan was because they were freaked out by her. I think they were like, "Oh my God, it's Madonna!" I like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to approach her. And so I was like, "I'm not prepared to be impressed by this." sitcom lady who everybody says is so amazing so then we sit down and do this read through and i was like oh you're a successful comedy actress because you're a fucking great genius actress <laughs> so as one does i you know said hi let's let's be friends like this this is going to be a lot of fun but the two of them didn't start dating right away in fact megan was furiously fending off his advances mostly because i didn't trust men, I guess, is what it boils down to. And so that went on, that whole, you know, three-act play went on for, um, I don't know, months. And, I mean, we were, we were dating. I mean, we were, you know, kissing and those kinds of things. But I wouldn't let him into my bed for quite some time. Um and he very gamely sort of stuck it out and so to speak i was perfectly suited to that to that old fashioned uh, rigmarole yeah he really like, was oh, you, he didn't give I, up he was persistent you're going to require me to stick around and prove my trustworthiness check this out <laughs> he did it and it was great though i'm really really glad that i didn't trust men because <laughs> it it was so much better than rushing into something. Uh, we really had a great foundation by the time we got seriously involved. And then we dated, well, he he came over and never left, you know, that thing. He, he somehow was able to give up the unfinished basement. I don't know how, but he did it. And uh, then about a year and a half, into our relationship we got engaged we were on a vacation in london and we um nick do you want to tell that cute story sure we had uh hired a, a driver slash guide for a couple days which was just delightful uh, it was really romantic to this day london is our favorite city in the world so we we had this young, smart guy taking us all over the place, in town, out of town, the Cotswolds. We saw all kinds of stuff. And I got together with him uh, on the side, and we made a plan. Mm -hmm. So at the, at the end of, the, of our time together, we had been all over London that day, and we were just going to go take a look at uh, Regent's Park. He and I both involuntarily got ex extremely nervous. He kind of clammed up, and Megan looked over at me and said, why are you chewing your mustache furiously? Yeah, they were both real sweaty. It was weird. And I was like, oh, nothing. What? Nothing. Don't be ridiculous. Why would anything be crazy right now? And so we got to Regent's Park, and thanks to his guidance, there's this beautiful, uh, I believe it's in the southeast area of this beautiful big park called Queen Anne's Rose Garden, this incredible resplendent garden with all these varieties of roses, and you walk through them and you come to this little Japanese garden area. 
that's really beautiful. There's a little stream with a wooden bridge going over the stream. And that was where the guy set me up. He was like, "Get, go through and get to this bridge. I think it's going to be just you right. Nailed it. And it was so cool. It was so beautiful. His name was Andrew, by the way. Yeah. We need to find him. I need to buy him a, a toad in the hole, as they say. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't know. Like, we have never, you know, seen him or heard from him again. So I don't know if he knows, you know, what, uh, what fruit his guidance bore. I'm looking. I can't. I don't see a contact form in my contacts, which I might have it in my old. In your Filofax? Yeah, probably yeah. in my Filofax because this was a long time ago. Yeah, sometimes we have to bust out the old oh, address man. book. Yes, I bet it's in there. So um, here's the thing. I, I had, with Megan's help uh, and and discernment, I had created this custom, uh, this engagement ring. I had had it made. And I had carved a walnut, a black walnut heart-shaped box to house the ring. That was my insurance. So we got to the footbridge over the stream. I dropped to a knee, pulled out my insurance box. And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was springtime and the, all the creatures were suddenly fornicating all around us. The ducks... <laughs> On the stream, the the dragonflies were going at it as though Mother Nature was was giving us her full-throated approbation. Megan agreed to honor me with her hand in marriage, and here we are. It was really a long, long ruse to end up on your podcast, And (laughs) and it worked. Yay, finally. Megan, were you nervous? Because he's 29. He's just this dude living in a basement. Well, when I first, we were into like full makeout sessions already. When I met him, I thought he was about 37 or 38 because he looks old. I mean, I'm just going to say it. And Fully croissant. I mean, he you look the same now as you did then. And now <laughs> you're 49. I so feel, that's what I'm trying I feel to say. younger have maybe you might extra... look younger now than you did yeah. 20 years ago which is strange um but he looked old and so i thought oh my god finally a guy who's closer to my age because i was 41 and i thought okay perfect guys my age or older were completely uninterested and guys much younger were always the ones who were interested in me uh for some reason and so i thought okay great a guy who's you know basically my age We were in the car one day, driving along, and I said, wait a minute, how old? Because he, I I must have been talking about something that made me wonder, and I said, how old are you? And he said, 29. And I said these two words, you motherfucker, and then I almost, like, crashed the car. I was mad. I mean, I wasn't, you know, really mad, but I just, looks old. (laughs) That that has never been a thing though. For what? For some reason, I don't. I wonder why. Yeah. But we have the same taste and thing. We have a strangely enough, we have a sort of a similar upbringing. Even though I grew up in Oklahoma City, which is a you know big city, and he grew up in a small town, Manuka, outside of Chicago. But there's a lot of crossover. And and since I am 12 years older, you know, I grew up 
12 years before when Oklahoma City wasn't as big as it is now. So there's some crossover and there's a lot of, there's a similar vibe. And then we have the same taste, which is, I think that's a huge thing in a relationship. You know, just makes it a lot easier to figure out what you're going to watch on television and uh, all of that. I I also would would offer that because we both are lifelong artists, we um, I'm not sure the right term like it's not trendsetters or iconoclasts, but we we both uh, don't play by the rules, so to speak, and so. I think people that that lead a more conventional life, like go to school, get a job, get married by a certain age, you know, uh, have 2.8 kids, all that stuff. I think they're more beholden to these conventions of like, oh, that's, you can't marry someone 10 years younger. That's impropriety or whatever. Mm-hmm. We're just, we do our best to live by our own rules. And so... But, you know, like anything else, it's like, oh, uh, I'm. we met each other. We seem like we should be together. Let's, let's not ask anybody's permission. Time for a quick break. Be right back. Hey, guys. Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty-turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. The only thing about the age difference was when he initially proposed, and I just thought, uh-oh, what if, you know, he's been dying to have six children? It's probably not going to be in the cards. I think the first thing I said was, I got a little weepy, and I said, I don't I don't think I can probably have children, because I was, you know, by that point I was 42 or 43. And um, that... And it wasn't an issue for Nick, although we did, st- we still did try once we just be, I never wanted to have kids and he, he didn't have like a burning desire to have children. And so we, but we did try, you know, the old fashioned way, just in case, <laughs> just because I, even though I had never really wanted to have children, I did see that if I were going to have children, that Nick is like the best person to have children with, because he would have been an amazing father. And it didn't work out, but, and I didn't want to try in vitro because I don't really, for me, I just don't believe in it because I believe in, you know, if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. And I think in vitro is great. It's just not for for me. And, you know, Nick was, you know, basically felt the same. But it was never like a wrenching. We never went through like a, 
oh, like, you know, we're really going through a rough patch because, you know, blah, blah. That never happened. It was just like, but we tried and it didn't work out. And then we, you know, just kept living our lives. Has your marriage been better since you guys didn't have kids? I think it's been, there are really good things about the fact that we didn't. We've, we've said over the years that if we had kids, we definitely wouldn't have been able to do all the things creatively that we've done. Uh, yes. Since there are two of us who are pretty much equally busy most of the time, it would have been pretty dicey. Well, I live on the road. I'm a dancing, touring entertainer. And Megan and I have had similar conversations where we didn't end up having a family with kids, but that allowed us to live our lives in a creative way, you know, sort of allows us to pass along whatever we might have passed along to kids, figuratively, the children of the world. I mean, that's been the key for us is that we really do like each other. And I love being able to make Nick laugh. And I think that that's mutual. And we do have dogs. I know that's a cliche, but we have three dogs. But we really, I always feel like I, even if he's just going to be gone for a, a couple hours, he's going out to the store, I, I'm like excited when he gets home, you know? And, you know, that that's a huge, huge, huge thing. I don't want to be depressing, but my best friend a few years ago, maybe about five years ago, told me that she read a study that had been done. Women who had had children and the children were already grown were polled, and really alarming percentage of them said that they wished that they hadn't had them. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty brutal, but I guess it was an anonymous poll, and these women were like, yeah, no. Yeah, no, I can finally tell someone my dirty secret. Yeah. <laughs> How does your relationship work in terms of both of you being artists? You're both on the road, you're taking projects that could be all over the world. Well, early on in our relationship, I booked, re really, almost right away, I, I booked my first TV pilot. It was a, this baby actor and I had been testing for stuff, and I booked this pilot that was not the greatest. It was called Secret Service on Fox, and it just was, you can imagine. I said, oh my God, I finally booked a pilot. This is amazing. And she said, where is it shoot? And I said, Toronto. And she said, well, if it gets picked up, what are you going to do? And I said, oh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. I just was really excited. I, you know, like that's the... I mean, I was in the middle of shooting Will and Grace for, you know, five million years and he was going to be basically moving to Toronto and it hadn't really dawned on him. Right. So fortunately, the show did not cut the mustard. But out of that conversation, Megan said, let's make a two-week rule. Let's never take a job or get in a situation that will keep us apart for more than two weeks. Yeah. And I said, put her there. Let's shake on it. Yeah. And we have done that. I mean, really, that's the bottom line is we make our marriage a priority over our careers. So if we get a wonderful opportunity in Australia or England or, or wherever, we say, okay, I have this offer. You know, Megan gets offered a Broadway show it's very exciting, but part of the negotiation is she has to say, okay, I've been offered Young Frankenstein on Broadway. Can we move to New York for 
a year. Yeah, and like the last time I did a Broadway show was in 2014, and it was a play, and Nick had a book deal, and so he's like, great, I'll come to New York and I'll write my book. I mean, <laughs> it's not always that easy to work out, but that was that was a pretty good one. But that, making that, having that, I mean, liking each other is one thing, but that's kind of amorphous. But in terms of like nuts and bolts things, that has been the single most important thing that we have done. Yeah, easy. That and joining that sex club. Yeah, top two. Time for a quick break. Be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. A few years ago, Megan started posting these pictures of the two of them on social media. Pictures of them doing puzzles. I think people were still kind of figuring out that we were even like a couple, much less married or anything else. So once I started posting these photos, the comments would be quite glowing. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting. Like people are getting such a kick out of us as a couple. And then I thought, well, if we wrote a book, then that would just be even more fun for these people who seem to get a bang out of us. So that was how it started. And then we had the idea to divide it into sections like different, you know, like family and dogs and just, you know, general topics. And we were recording the, we, we decided to record it as a conversation and then our editor would tell us what to do next. And she sent us the transcript of the recorded conversation and I immediately said, well, this is the book. I mean, just do this, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's how it came to be that kind of interview magazine style format. Did you learn stuff about each other while you were doing it? Did it? Oh did yeah, it definitely, a hundred percent, yeah. They liked writing the book together so much that they decided to keep the public conversation going. And in 2019, they started their podcast. Just like a Pollyanna. Um, are we ready to make history? To make magic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to yet another soon-to-be beloved installment of the number one smash hit podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan. Number one. Starring the illustrious Nick Offerman. Featuring Megan Mullally. I thought, well, wait, we should do a podcast. That would be like a really fun thing we could do that's not incredibly time-consuming. We can do it from the 
comfort of our own home, or we could do it if we're out on the road. Just We just have to be together um, or not, you know? And so that's how it came about. And we decided to, since we are a married couple and that is sort of unique in, in our world of, you know, there aren't as, there aren't too many couples where both parties are sort of well-known in the, in that way. And so, um, I think the first titles that came to mind for me were In Bed with Nick and Megan and Pillow Talk, and Pillow Talk was already taken, but I kind of liked In Bed with and better anyway. The In Bed part was born of, of record, you know, working on our book chapters in our actual bed. But then when we started having guests come sit in our bed and record the podcast, it it gave it this wonderful sense of, I likened it immediately to the end of a, if you've thrown a party mm. and everybody's gone, but that the, last the good friend or two, you flop down on a couch or on, on the bed and have an unexpected pithy conversation where you're like, you know what, you know, and you just dig into some subject matter. Yeah. So for uh, that's my favorite part of the in bed flavor is that, and people have said that they really appreciate the the casual comfort, the sense of security that gives them, as opposed to the more clinical feeling of like sitting in a studio mm. with, with headphones at a table. I just want to say real quick, in, in all the different things we do and have done together, the division of labor is, you know, we, we have, we each have our specialties or not. And the book is something, falls into the category of Megan's idea. Like, <laughs> it's the kind of thing that she masterminded, she conceived it and like drove it and was the art director of the book. She was the art director of the photos that we took. She pit shows and edited all the puzzle photos that she had initially art directed when we took those photos. I mean, <laughs> and so, you know, mm. since we're talking about the book, I just, I always like to point out that I, I had a lot of fun contributing my part to the book, but it was a very lucky riding shotgun with my wife. Well, that's, thanks, honey. That's very nice. But I, you know, I feel like creativity is what drives all of us in life, right? I always have so many ways that I would like to exercise my creativity, but I don't have usually as many outlets because I'm known as an actress, an actor, and um, you don't get a lot of autonomy in that job. And so anytime there's something like this or the band that I have, Nancy and Beth, it didn't start out that I was going to art direct the whole book. It just came into being because I just all of a sudden I just get all these ideas and uh, and it's so nice to be able to occasionally have an outlet for you know your creativity in that way. So it was really fun to do. Does working together work for you guys? We've worked together a lot now. I mean, we've done a couple of uh, we've done a few plays to, together, and we did one play here in Los Angeles that then went off Broadway. So we've done that. And then we did that touring show. We've done, a, we did the book. We've done a lot of stuff together. Yeah, and we are constantly kind of contributing to each other's, uh, like Nick will take part in the band uh, if he's, you know, on the road with us. 
I want to take a minute and introduce you to Megan's band, Nancy and Beth, with her musical partner, Stephanie Hunt. They're fantastic, wildly talented, and also funny and strange in a perfect way. We've guested on each other's shows and uh, so many things. Ron and Tammy, and then he's been on Will and Grace a couple of times. I'd say based on the number of our friends uh, who who say things like, what the fuck is the matter with you people? Like, the last thing I want to do is go to work with my spouse. And we said, when we hear that, we just think, God, we must be, we are so lucky because mm-hmm. definitely the majority of people are in more in that camp than in our camp. And I mean, over our two decades together, we you know we're a married couple, so we've had a handful of fights in like the dressing room over, <laughs> over whatever. Like imagine imagine doing a play a two hander with just your spouse, and, uh, and you're so like ten minutes you from going on night. stage. And you're like fighting about the fucking groceries or something. It, so those, <laughs> there's been a handful of those fun marriage moments. But we always, you know, you never go to bed angry and you shouldn't go on stage angry. Either. I got mad at you on stage in the middle of the play one night. Like one of the maddest I've ever been at you. And <laughs> I made some different choices in my performance that night as a result. But yeah, he... It's two people on stage, and it's set in a trailer. So it's the set was the shell of a trailer, and we're both in there together, right? And there's not a lot of wiggle room. And Nick was doing this thing where, for people listening who might not know, upstaging is just that. You keep moving further toward the back wall of the stage, making it, such that the person that you're doing a scene with has to turn their face and body upstage in order to deliver their lines to you. And so one this one night, Nick had been he'd been doing it. He'd been inching upstage during the previous like three or four performances. And I was like, Are you kidding me? And I didn't say anything, but I just getting madder and madder. And then this one performance he was doing it and I just I had done all these things to try to like get as far upstage as he was, but there was, you know, like a wall and the like I couldn't go any further because of the way this set was laid out. And I got so mad and then I was like I said, I was making some interesting choices in my performance. And then by the time we got on stage, I was so mad. Yeah, that was kind of the funniest. I think that's the funniest story of getting mad at you that I can think of because it was in a live theatrical performance of a drama that was really hardcore, like crazy subject matter. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. The other thing I was going to say about being together a lot is that we have been, so we're all in quarantine now, and that's been happening for about, what, six weeks or so? Mm. But before that even started, so we'd been on vacation since the middle of December, and then the quarantine started middle of March, so we'd already been together for three solid months, and now there's another six and a half, six weeks on top of that, Every, and it's totally great. I mean, I don't feel like, oh, I gotta get away from this. I've been with this person every day, just us. For I don't know. It, it feels normal. 
We're puzzling a lot in quarantine. Are you guys puzzling more? Yeah, we've got two gone right now. Yeah, we're, I'm looking at them. They're, we each, yeah, we, we split off a couple puzzles ago where... Mm, we usually do them together, and now we're doing separate puzzles. Now we're each doing our own puzzle, but we do, we do them at the same time because <laughs> we sit and listen to audio I think what happened was, puzzles. yeah, I think I started one when initially when you were out of town. I don't know, some somehow that happened. Yeah. But it's kind of good because doing a puzzle together is really fun until you get to about a hundred pieces before the end, and then it gets a little tense because it becomes like uh, yeah. a competitive feeling enters into it that hadn't been there before. So uh, we can still do them together, but a hundred pieces we gotta split up. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say one thing because since this is a relationship podcast. I always like to say, you know, it's not a Disney movie. There's not like a magic formula. Our marriage also works because we listen to one another and make sacrifices and compromises. For me as a big, like, you know, I'm very good with tools and like I'm a very physical, proactive, productive person. And running up against uh, an equally, you know, an absolute dynamo I had to really learn early on to say, oh, even though this has worked for me all these years, now uh, when Megan has a different idea, one choice is I can say, okay, let's do your idea. Then the argument's over. It always ends up being plenty fruitful. I'm always grateful that I had the wherewithal and something you never stop learning. Like, okay, I wanted something one way, but if I say, oh, let's do it the way you want this time, uh, then suddenly we can be kissing again. And <laughs> But, you know, in reality, Nick really does make most of the compromises, and I just, like, sit around, like, you know, making him do that. <laughs> well, it works out great. I guess we're complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> What don't the two of you get asked about your marriage? Uh, what don't we get asked? I, I wouldn't know because we haven't been asked it. <laughs> Very clever. But let's think about that. I feel like people's interpretation of our marriage is always way over lionized. And we, from the beginning, we found that hilarious. And that's why Megan came up with the title, The Greatest Love Story Ever Told, is because... We're just a couple of dipshits, like, you know, being married and, like, uh, going, th trying to be decent people together and to one another, but we're treated like we're yeah, it's been something kind of, way more because we're a successful kind Hollywood of mythologized couple. because yeah. we, I think, you know, a lot of that is because we work in comedy and so, you know, it seems like. Oh, they just, you know, hang around laughing all, laughing all day long, which is sort of true, though, I hate to say. This episode was hosted and reported by Joe Piazza, with special thanks to Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman. It was produced, edited, and mixed by Ramsey Yunt. 
The executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song by Tristan McNeil. We'd also like to give a very special thanks to everyone at Earwolf for allowing us to interview Nick and Megan. You can pick up a copy of Nick and Megan's book, The Greatest Love Story Ever Told, and Oral History, wherever books are sold. And you can listen to In Bed with Nick and Megan wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's J-O at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty-turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.